I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Well, wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Welcome back to Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. Here we are. We're doing another episode. How are you doing today? I am doing good. Thank you for asking. I want to connect with you guys more. So if you're listening to this now, uh, you can go to the show notes and you'll see all of the social media links for the show. And um, let's talk because I'm I'm really grateful y'all are listening every week. It's been really fun for me. It's kept me busy, which is nice because I'm a workaholic and staying home all the time has just about killed me. Um, I'm just driving in my car a lot, which is interesting. I got a new car though, so that's that's exciting. I haven't had a new car in like 10 years. I got my first my first baby that I bought when I was like 18. And I, I haven't had a new one since then. So I got a new one because she's um she needs to be retired, that car. I love that car. And I'm, I'm not going to get rid of her. I refuse. But I got a new Nissan. And I love it. Um, it's very exciting. I feel like an adult <laughs> because I have a new car. Um, and I haven't had one in so long. Um, and it's the first car that I've actually got that is um, like brand new. Like I've never had like a brand new anything before. So that's cool. I don't know why I'm saying that, but it was an exciting moment in my life. And I think it's probably the best thing that's happened during quarantine. So that's my car story. 
I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, today on the show, I have Stephen Kramer Glickman. Uh, you know him as Gustavo from Big Time Rush, but he has a crazy story in store for you. Uh, and I'm really excited for you to hear it. He's also uh, in Netflix's White Fang. He was in the movie Storks. He does a bunch of improv. Um, he also has a line with Hot Topic. He is just out there killing it. He's hella funny. I just said hella like I'm a surfer dude. I don't know. Is that a thing anymore? Do people say that? Anyway, here's my conversation with Stephen Kramer Glickman. Everybody, welcome, Stephen. Hey, thanks so much for having me. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. This is a a, a nice day. I just finished watching... Um, uh, some uh, show on Netflix, Never Have I Ever, and uh, oh, I just watched that too. It's so good, so good. There, that the the writing and the cast, everything about that was just so lovely. They did a great job. Yeah, I really loved that show. I binged it all in like one day. I thought it was just really cute. Yeah, it's funny how like certain shows you can binge, just you know, you can watch everything, like upload on um. Amazon Prime I watched I think I started on Saturday I finished Sunday morning like I just oh my watched gosh. the whole thing and same thing with this I started watching it yesterday at around maybe 10 o'clock and I finished it just about an hour ago yeah isn't it crazy now that we just like binge entire series like we're in a couple days we're just like yeah I'm just gonna watch this whole show yeah it's insane it's amazing yeah, I never thought that I'd be able to do that back in the days when you'd have to wait an entire week to see another episode of something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how I am with 90 Day Fiance. It's like it comes Sunday. I'm like, 90 All Day right, Fiance. Let's light it up. Let's light it up. <laughs> oh, no. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of that show in my entire life. Oh, oh, you are uh, missing out. It is. Oh, um, it is the Fast and Furious of television reality <laughs> network programming. It's like if Crystal Meth was a reality show. That's what that is. It is oh high octane, fucked up. Sorry for the language, but it is. You're good. High octane, <laughs> fucked up television. To I mean, it make it's like it's like oh oh you like catfish oh oh yeah you you're about to have your world rocked by this. Like, oh my God. It's extraordinary, extraordinarily terrifying uh, television. Did you watch that series that Netflix did, the Love is Blind one? Um, yeah, not only did I watch it, uh, my <laughs> podcast interviewed uh, one of the cast members. Uh, right Which one? Um, the British girl. I'm for, oh my God, I'm forgetting her name. Um she, she the the main she was like one of the main girls british oh man i'm forgetting 100 uh forgetting. she was very nice she's from uh england and she's got this like really funny accent she she was kind of like playing dumb a little bit on the show okay I'll have, I, I feel like i need to rewatch that that and the circle i liked the circle a lot um oh chloe veach chloe is what we had on okay. the show. And um, we asked her, this is 100% true. We said, Chloe, on the, on the TV show, you learned the word animosity. And you made kind of a big <laughs> deal about learning that word. Have you learned any new words? And she said, oh, it's funny you ace that. I actually do have a new word I learned. And it's like the word or whatever for like when 
how like the world right now is like in this terrible place. It's never happened before. <laughs> it's like the word for that. And we're like unprecedented. And she goes, oh yeah, that's God. the one I learned. And we're like, well, <laughs> well, you didn't because you didn't, you didn't know it. You didn't use it. You just, you read it yeah, you once read it. and that was it. <laughs> like, holy shit. Uh, so yeah, that oh, was, man. that was great. That was great. That, that was, I loved that. I really enjoyed Love is Blood. I thought that, I mean, uh, too, oh no, no, no. I'm talking about Too Hot to Handle. I did watch. Oh, yeah, I did watch Love Is Blind as well, uh, which is that, ridiculous. I need to watch Too Hot to Handle now. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, Too Hot to Handle. That's the show, the reality show. <laughs> Sorry, that's I have a bell <laughs> on my desk. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> they that Too Hot to Handle is the show where you can't touch any. It's all a bunch of hot people, and they can't touch each other. Oh, poor hot people. I know. It's like, come on, hot people. Don't you want to touch each other? But they can't because they lose money every time they touch each other. It's oh, my God. Terrifying. It's like it's like the game that you used to play when you were a kid. The floor is lava, except other people are lava. Exactly. You get it, Jillian. You get it. I get it. I get it. You get it. Oh, man. Good times. Good times. All right. So take me back. What got you? Because you've done so much. I was looking you up. And I'm like, oh, my God. This guy is like unstoppable. He's doing everything. Oh. What? What got you into entertainment in the first place? Was it improv, comedy, or was it the need to act? What what brought you here? Um, I mean, as a kid, I was... You know how they do, like, show and tell in class yep. when you're a kid? So, mm-hmm. like, when I was a kid, and I'd be in, like, second, third grade, and, that, and, like, those grades, it was like, I wanted to do show and tell every day. And every day I have like some sort of thing I wanted to show everybody. Like, and they were like, that's not how this works. Like, <laughs> are you okay? Yeah. Oh, good. I wasn't sure if uh, it sounded like a microphone fell, but it did. Did a microphone fall? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, I'm, 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 in. I'm, I'm like, what's happening? Is the world ending? <laughs> It's like, oh, not yet. I haven't, I haven't finished 90 Day Fiance yet. Yeah, um, I need to watch the show. Come on. Um, no, so I mean, from a very young age, I really enjoyed performing. Like, I, I was a little, I was a little magician when I was like six, seven years old because, like, amazing. That is really a sign that, like, if your kid wants to do magic. That's a sign, dude. Like you got to put yeah. the kid in some theater, you know, get get them some acting lessons because uh, they're just trying to perform, and that's that's yep. one of the only ways to do it when you're a kid. So um, that's you know, from a young age, I always wanted to like entertain. Um, I don't know if like acting was always like it, acting was like like especially acting in theater was like. Um, a big it was like the only way of doing it really um, right it's the only way to get the the performance out of you and the attention that we all seek as performers yeah and you know I, I was you know as a little kid uh you know growing I grew up in San Diego there wasn't you know there was a lot of community theater but there wasn't a lot of film and television and we didn't really know how to how to get into that so it wasn't something um uh, wasn't really an option and so yeah. uh doing theater was kind of like the way to to break in and and uh and and learn the craft and 
yeah, so I mean, I did community theater my entire childhood, and then that's amazing. All the way through high school, I mean, I did like four four musicals a year throughout high school. That's awesome. I loved doing theater when I was a kid. I thought it was the most fun thing in the world. Oh, so much fun, and like you know, just such a such an incredibly good time. Like I miss doing live theater so much. But, uh, yeah, because you create this like family of people and you it's just it's so warm and welcoming and having that applause at the end of the night is always just so nice. Oh, yeah. That's why um, I started doing stand up was because I was on tour doing a musical that I hated doing. I hated this particular <laughs> show. Oh, no. It was a terrible musical. Um, and, and we got to this uh, place where it was like... Uh, the, we got to the to Canoga Park in the valley in Los Angeles, <laughs> and the uh, the tour had to stop for a month, and uh, we just had to wait out like some problems that had happened to the theater that we were going to be performing in. Oh my gosh! And there was a stand up comedy show in the like basically next to the hotel where we were staying at, and um, I ended up trying it there, and and then leaving the tour to to just do stand up and live on a, another comedian's couch and that's kind of how it uh how it happened for me it was like I love that I love that you found something else and you're just like okay I'm done with you bye I'm over here now yeah and it really was like you know the the idea of writing jokes and then getting up on stage and telling jokes and telling stories and finding your voice and um I'd always been such a huge fan of stand up and had been listening to, you know, comedians my entire life. So mm. I was like I, I I badly wanted to be a part of it. I just didn't really know how. And then right. get it, and then I got the opportunity and it was like, Oh, okay. Uh and you just And you're still doing stand up. Yeah. You're still doing that because you just had that that album come out. Yeah, my album came out in March and, and it's done so well cool. and it's uh it was it was you know it's it's something that i i still do i'm doing it in 10 10 11 days from now i'm me and tom green are doing um and a couple other very talented people ian edwards and ben glebe uh the f- hmm. four or five of us are doing a big show uh for uh, that's online but it's for oh, wow. chicago for the city of chicago and it's going to be a whole big gigantic you know like it's a zoom show but but where there's hundreds of people on the zoom watching you perform wow that's so cool it'll be neat it'll be a neat situation for sure for sure i love that i love that it was like you found this thing and then you're still doing it all these years later and it's something that's huge now for you oh yeah oh yeah and like you know the the comedy community kind of like knows like I, they know that like I came up in musical theater. They know that I'm like I tried to hide it as long as I possibly could. But you can't hide things. Google exists. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> once, well, once I got onto Nickelodeon too, it was like, uh, this is really weird to say this, but like most of the comedians at the comedy store and and uh, and and you know the improv and stuff. Yeah. When I got Big Time Rush. It was not like it was basically like if you're a comedian, you're a comedian, and that's it. Like you just are right. a stand-up comedian, and and you don't also 
take acting classes and stuff. And then slowly, right around the time I, I got the Nickelodeon show, they, I, I remember hearing that a couple people were taking acting classes and, and, mm. and that it wasn't like embarrassing anymore to, to talk about trying to do other stuff because people kind of, you know, comedians at the time were kind of like in a weird place. And this is 10 years ago. So the the vibe, the energy around stand-ups was like, it was just a weird place, man. It was like Carlos Mencia and Larry the Cable Guy. You know? <laughs> and it's changed so much now with people like Joe Rogan and Bill Burr. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all these super, super talented, you know, Maria Bamford and Silverman, all these like insane. There's a, I mean, people. I feel like people are more interested in stand-up comedy now as well i think more than ever huge huge boom right now i mean my god the amount of money that netflix has spent on stand-up comedy special so much money outrageous it's outrageous it's crazy yeah tell me about because you have a podcast too right you have the nighttime show yeah yeah we've been doing nighttime show for four years now um that that uh basically came out of like uh having you know how this business is. We were talking about this, you know, pre-show that like you have uh, from, you know, being on Victorious and then from, uh, you know, from doing the Victorious movie and then Mm -hmm. your history in Hollywood, like, you know, a lot of famous people and uh, people that are hard to get to for most of America. And it's the same kind of situation that I'm in where like, I've, you know, I've, I go to a movie premiere and Joey Fatone from NSYNC is there and then mm. we hang out and then that would be the end of it. And maybe, right. maybe we go get lunch, but that's, that's the end of the thing. And it's like, well, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool it, to have something that I could go, Hey, would you, you want to spend an hour with me sitting, you know, in person and talking about, you know, uh, your, your life history. And, and by the time yeah. that, that hour is over, you and that person are bonded for forever for knowing more about each other and and uh, growing this uh, this you know connection. It's so true. I've even had friends on here that there's just things that I didn't even know about them that I felt like I should because I've known them for so long, and you still learn so much just over a podcast. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. I love that about podcasting. Is like. Um, you know, I mean, I, I do the show with three of my best friends and how fun. Yeah. Which is really, really fun. And it's also been a fun opportunity to kind of like do stuff like, uh, you know, I mean, it, sometimes we drive each other crazy, but as, as you do. <laughs> yeah. But we've also gotten to do things where like one of them says like, Oh, you know who I've always wanted to meet is this guy. And then I go, Okay. All right. And then I go make some calls and then I'm like, guess who's on the show? And they're like, no way. And, and you get the person that they've always wanted to meet and they, uh, get, they get to ask all the questions they've always wanted to ask. Like we just did that with Lance Henriksen from aliens mm, and yeah. Terminator and all sorts of cool stuff. Um, I'm I, like, I know Lance a little bit, but my friend Mike Black, who's on the show with me, he is a massive like fan of Predator and Alien and all this stuff and knows all this guy's work. So letting him loose on Lance Hendrickson was like 
really fun. Like that was a great. Did he just die over it? Was he just like over the moon? Oh yeah. Oh, he was so happy. And, and it was like, it was a great interview because it was really deep. Like they got into really deep stuff. Same thing with, um, we had Michael Dorn from, um, uh, from Star Trek, the next generation. He played Worf. And okay. my producer, Matt, who's a, a co-host on the show, he's uh, obsessed with Star Trek. So <laughs> for him, it was like really fun and they had a great time together. And, you know, it's that that's fun. It's fun kind of getting to do stuff like that. And then, yeah. um, you know, I, I have my nerd out moments where I'm <laughs> better over myself and I can't deal with who I'm talking to and. I love it. I, I love podcasting. It's so much fun. I'm having a lot of fun. I didn't think that I was going to like it as much as I did. Like I thought maybe because I, I don't know. I, I'm a talker. I'm yeah. an entertainer. So I, I thought that I'd probably be good at it. But I was like, oh, wait, this is really fun. Who did you who's your favorite person that you've had on and uh, yeah, in the last, you know, or throughout the whole uh, run of it? Do you have any any big favorites? Um, goodness, you know, my really good friend, Eric Martsoff, he was our premiere episode and I've known him since I was literally 12 years old. I used to babysit his twins and I thought I knew everything that there was to know like about his career because we've talked so much and he's kind of been like a bigger, big brother for me. Sure. But um, I, I heard this story from him about him being almost being Cyclops and X-Men. Whoa! Before they, fe- yeah, before they uh, got Hugh Jackman to be Wolverine, he was up for Cyclops. And then once they found Hugh Jackman, they recentered the story around Wolverine, hired Hugh, and then told Eric he looked too much like Hugh Jackman. Whoa! And I was like, holy shit! How did I not know this? So that's, I mean, that's kind of the best part about this show is that like I have these people that everybody knows from something but they could have known them from something else. And I find that like super exciting and interesting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Totally. Do you have any stories that are like that? Well, I've got, um, I've got a TV, I got a move, I got a movie story and I have a stage story. They're, they're, okay. uh, they're both pretty, one's a little more impactful than the other, but they're both interesting, I guess. <laughs> There was a movie called Ride Along that was uh, Kevin Hart and and Ice. Yeah, and uh, there was a character in Ride Along where uh, the cop they, they get called to the scene of a crime, and when they get there, mm-hmm. it's this guy and he's running naked, completely naked through, <laughs> through a grocery store, and he's like knocking over all sorts of stuff and just acting real crazy, and then he tackles Kevin Hart. Oh my god! <laughs> and I went in for it, and uh, it did well. And then at the callback, I got a callback and went to the callback, and they said, um, "I said, do you want me to take my clothes off for?" <laughs> and they were like, "Well, I mean, you, can, I, I, well, whatever you're comfortable with." And I was like, "Okay." And I took all my clothes off except for my underwear and kept my underwear. Oh my on. god! And they were like dying and uh and i like ran around the room in nothing but my underwear and uh (laughs) and just crushed i crushed and i left yeah and i was like i was like oh i think i i may have this and then they called and said um okay uh the the studio 
the the movie studio wants you, but Ice Cube wants this actor named Gary um, Gary Owen, who's a, mm. a very famous uh, comedian, but he's also very very well loved in in the in the African American community. Like he is a huge, he's a white guy, gotcha. with red hair, but he's he's the he was the first um white guy to ever have a comedy special on BET. So wow. he helped he really like he's a very funny guy, but he's also has like a huge following that I did not have. Like, you know, like my following right. is all like Nickelodeon and <laughs> you have like so, 14 year olds still following you. Yeah. So it was like, oh, this is a tricky call to make of who who's gonna get it. <laughs> Uh, and then they said, okay, uh, be ready to fly on Friday. We'll let you know uh, Friday morning if you have the job or not. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. And I said, okay, and so I packed my bag. Oh my god. They literally were just like, be ready? Yeah, they said, be ready to fly out Friday afternoon. Uh, and, and we'll let you know Jeez. Friday morning. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And, and then they <laughs> Friday morning and said, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's, it's going to Gary. Uh, but uh, then the director, uh, who's amazing, uh, wrote me on Twitter, like sent me a direct message and was like, you know, you were so funny and we'll find something for you down the road and we'll get to work together someday and all this kind of stuff. And so it's like, all right, that's fine. I mean, you know, yeah, that's huge. That never happens. No, that was a pretty, that was a pretty crazy one where it just got so close. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one, I mean, the other one is insane. Uh, and it, and, yes. it, and, it, it, and it's, it's the reason I have a career in the first place is, oh uh, God. I uh, was working at the comedy store and Mm -hmm. a comedian came in that I'm friends with named Eric Marino. And he said, Hey, uh, have you heard they're having auditions for the Broadway musical Shrek? And they're they're looking for Shrek for the Shrek musical. And I said, I said, uh, and he said, you should go in for that. And I said, uh, my exact words were, and uh, you should go fuck yourself because 
<laughs> that's so rude to say that like I would be Shrek. Like, give me. A- You're like, screw you, man. Oh, the worst. So rude and such a shitty thing to say. And he was like, no, dude. Like, I know you have a singing voice. I know that you would crush it. Like, you should go in and blah blah blah. And I was like. Oh my God, no, I'm never doing anything like that. Not interested. It's just such a backhanded compliment. (laughs) Oh yeah, so rude. So like about a month or two later, he comes in again and he's like, dude, it's happening again. They haven't found Shrek. You need to go in. You're perfect. Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, come on. And I told my family and my family was like, oh my God, of course you need to go in for that. (laughs) You're like, thanks, everyone. Thanks so much, guys. uh, So I go to this open call um, in Burbank. And if you've ever been to an open call, you know it's like hundreds of people there. Oh, it's the worst because you're just sitting there watching all the other people go in. And usually it's like, can you do a 30-second dance? And then 30 seconds or this many bars of a song. And then we'll see you act if we like your singing and dancing. Oh, yeah. That's exactly how it was. And it was 100 fat guys in the room. And me, and I was like, what is the point of all of this? And then the guy sitting next to me said, I looked at his, he was holding um, a meatloaf songbook. No. And I said, why do you, why do you have a meatloaf songbook? I didn't even know they made meatloaf songbook. No. <laughs> and he goes, um, well, because Shrek is a rock musical. And I was like, what? Her, what? It's like, yeah, the character has to sing like a rock tenor. And I was like, oh, my God. oh. and he goes, why? What did you bring? And I was like, the bare necessities. <laughs> I, like, I just, I just figured, you know, big, that's, you know, the, the bear in Jungle Book is a big guy. Like, you know, they're looking for a big character. That's a big voice. You know? I'm dying. I don't know. And the guy said, well, yeah, don't do that. And I was like, well, what, the, oh, no. what else do I have? So I went out to my car and I popped my trunk and I looked in my trunk and I had a Ray Charles songbook. And okay. I was like, okay, I guess I'll just do a Ray Charles song and that'll be what I do. And I went back, <laughs> I went back in and I sat there with all the other guys and waited and waited until all the equity people auditioned. Yeah. And then it was finally my turn to go in. And I walked in and um, it was Tara Rubin, the casting director, and, mm-hmm. Jason, and Jason Moore, who would go on to direct Pitch Perfect, the movie. Oh, wow. And so it's just the two of them and me and the piano player. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do uh, what I say by... Um, by Ray Charles. Hmm. And I handed the guy the sheet music and I sang and I finished. (laughs) And the director looked at the casting director, looked back at me and said, we've been looking for you for three years. What? That is a hundred percent true. Holy crap. What a thing to hear. I went, what are you talking about? (laughs) Can you, can you read for, for this now? Can you, can we give you sides and would you read? And I said, yeah, for, for what character? And they were like, for Shrek. And I was like, why, why would you have (laughs) read for Shrek? Um, There's no way you're going to cast an unknown for the role of Shrek. 
And, right. And they said, uh, well, we're thinking about casting an unknown. That's, that's why we're doing this. And I was like, wow. Okay. And so I took the sides. I went outside. I didn't have a, a Scottish accent. I did. I hadn't seen Shrek in uh, maybe since it had been in the theater. Yeah. So, uh, it had been a few years. So, I mean, I, you know, I did like a British accent. I came back in. <laughs> I, did, I did the the scene and they were like can you come back tomorrow and and have like a like go watch the movie tonight and like rework on work on the accent and come back tomorrow and i said yeah okay and so i oh my god I, this I, is crazy I, yeah on the way home i stopped by a video store uh, a video store oh i'm sorry what can you say a video store a what is video that store a store where they sell video tapes <laughs> and for all of the teenagers listening that's an actual store with videos in them <laughs> yeah um and i went in and i got uh i picked up a copy of shrek i bought it and i remember i remember it was like 14 dollars, and i remember that being a big deal like an investment yeah like my i like not used to spending money on or doing anything. I was like fourteen dollars. How the fuck am I gonna? Pay? <laughs> You're like know. son of a bitch. Like, There's oh, my I'm... dinner tomorrow. Yeah, I was like, I'm missing dinner for for tomorrow night. That's how this is gonna go. Uh, so I watched, I watched it, and I sat there and I listened to his voice uh, all night. I think I watched the movie probably six or seven times that oh my like, God. over the next tw- you know 24 hours waiting to go back to the audition and yeah. um, and felt like I had a pretty good you know version of the voice and I went back in the next day and just crushed it and got lots of laughs they asked me to do another scene and I did the ne- another scene and um same thing like where it was just it was pretty solid just vibing yeah and then they were like can you come back again and i said sure and then um i kept going to callbacks and uh i i you know around it was around like it was about seven callbacks in holy crap oh seven callbacks we're not we're not we're not even close uh so seven callbacks in I am, uh, they brought in Janine Tesori, who wrote uh, Thoroughly Modern Millie, and she mm-hmm. wrote uh, Caroline or Change, and then she had written this, uh, Shrek. And so she was like, hey, I want you to hear the opening song. No one else has heard it yet, but I want you to hear what it, what it would sound like. And when I tell you, Jillian, like up to this point, I was taking these callbacks, but I in my mind, I was like, there is no chance I am getting this role. There's no way. Right. And well, because Broadway is like such a huge thing and a huge role like that, you normally don't even get to audition for anything like that until it's no. already been on and they're replacing it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I, I know enough about the history of Broadway to know that this is is not a really this is really not actually happening. Like I was like, I'm enjoying right. every time every time I go in, but like I don't I'm not, I don't really give a shit at this point. And then, <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to get it. It's fine. Yeah. Like I just didn't want to get my hopes up. I didn't have an agent or a manager or anything. So I was like, Oh my God. I was like, this is just, you know, 
for for funsies basically and and i get to brag to my friends back at the comedy club that like i've been auditioning maybe i'll get some jokes out of it like who knows and uh and then they played me the opening song and by the time the opening song was over i was like oh it's war like i i will fight to the death to play this role. Like I no longer it, my, the part of me that, that, that was a, it was a part of me that is only kicked in a few times in my life where I was like, this is war. I'm going to fight with everything I have to, to do this. And I'm going to use all the little things that I have in my life to Mm. make it work. One of those things was, um, Bobby Lee from mad TV uh, over at the comedy store, I went to him and was like, will you run lines with me? And, wow. um, and he was like, yeah, sure. And so I got comedy notes from Bobby Lee and then That's I got, huge com- too. Oh yeah. I got comedy notes from like all of the best comedians at the club. And, uh, we would do stuff like one of the comics. You were like super committed at this point. You were like, this oh, is yeah. it. Oh yeah. 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 I started seeing that it was a possible, there was an ending to this that, that yeah. could have been good. So I uh, I fought really, really hard. And I did a total of 32 callbacks. For Stop it. 32. For, no. For the role of Shrek. And uh, at the final callback, um, it was in the room. It was Jeffrey Katzenberg, David Geffen, mm. Sam Mendes. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, uh, David Lindsay Abair, who wrote the movie Lincoln for uh, Steven Spielberg. He wrote the script. And uh, Tim Weil, the musical director for Rent. And Janine and Jason and the casting director and a bunch of other people. And I went in. That's a room full of people that I'm pretty sure if I had gone in to see that amount of amazing people, I'd just pass out. Yeah, very, very intense. Like, uh, and, and you know, I, very. I, I don't do drugs or i wasn't doing any sort of thing to i wasn't (laughs) taking xanax or anything like i just dealt with it and uh i went in and i sang the part and i did the the thing and uh i left and um about a week later i was in the car driving in the car and i got a call from from uh dreamworks saying that they were casting me as shrek in shrek the musical on the Broadway and what? yep. And they, they uh, picked me up from my shitty crappy <laughs> apartment in Encino where I lived with a born again, Christian who hated <laughs> that he was living with a Jewish guy. He, uh, they, they, and a, and a drug addict, by the way, they moved oh, out of the apartment and they put me on a plane first class and moved me to 58th and fifth Avenue in New Jeez. York. Oh, to the most gorgeous, giant place. I mean, that's got to be beautiful. Oh, yeah. And I signed with uh, the biggest management comedy management company in in L.A. And it was like this huge thing. Mm. I got out there. I got to work with Sutton Foster and uh, all these huge Broadway stars. And it was great. But... But right, right before it opened on Broadway, um, they made the decision that they were going to replace me and replace the guy playing the donkey with uh, Tony winning 
like Tony nominated, Tony winning actor. No. And, uh, and, and like basically buy us out of our contracts. And it was heartbreaking uh, to, yeah. say, to say the least. But uh, we both got royalties on the show for 20 years. So, Holy crap. Yeah. So anytime the show plays anywhere in the world, we get sent a check in the mail, which is pretty cool. That's pretty uh, dope. Yeah, and and I was super lucky that like even though it was a really hard thing to lose and to get so close, um, a couple of things happened uh, that uh, that you know not to drag this story out forever, but a couple of things happened that that made this a little more interesting. Uh-oh. Uh, this happened in two thousand eight. At the height of the the crash in New York mm. City, yeah, the tickets a, a ticket to see Shrek on Broadway was hundreds of dollars, and mm. the budget on Shrek was uh, I'm pretty sure. Let's see, budget on Shrek <laughs> the musical. Google, uh, Google, googling. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the budget was <laughs> somewhere between twenty-five million and fifty-five million in that in that range. Um, the the problem, so the tickets were high. The show flopped really hard in New York City. Mm. It it did not do well. Uh, they cut a lot of the music that was incredibly beautiful. Uh, right, you know, kind of uh kind of right before it opened um oh my god it got nominated for tony's and drama desk awards but it, it didn't really uh win win very much or i don't think it won, won anything and uh oh. at the same time as it opened on broadway i was cast on big time rush on Nickelodeon. oh wow so so it was sad uh because i you know i yeah. went out of this thing but it was like you know, not, not just, not to be like, God has a plan, but it's like, you know, the, the, the world works in mysterious and magical ways. And yeah, if I would have been cast in Shrek, if I would have played Shrek on Broadway in the Broadway musical, my, the rest of my career uh, would probably, I would, I would, it would be so different. Yeah. I, don't e- I mean, have, you just yeah, don't I, even know what it would be. I wouldn't have the life that I have now, which I am incredibly lucky that I have. So, you know, that's just, wow. that's how that goes. That's how that goes sometimes. Yeah, right? that's how it goes. But it's true. I, I do think that there's some sort of obviously like higher power, something happening that gets us to where we need to be. And it's crazy that Big Time Rush literally came right after Shrek. Like, oh, within, that's amazing. Yeah, like I shot the pilot for Big Time Rush literally a few months after I landed back from New York city. And what was crazy was I met with the president of universal and the president of universal was like, Oh, congrats on uh, starring in Shrek on Broadway. That's so great. I'm, uh, you know, I heard you did a great job. Uh, So, you know, let's talk about what, what's next for you. And I said, Oh, I, (laughs) I only actually started in the Broadway workshop of Shrek, not the, actual broadway run and (laughs) and she said um don't ever tell anyone that 
ever again. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Don't yeah. say that. Yeah. And I said, well, I don't want to be dishonest. And she was like, if someone that is the head of a studio or network says congratulations on something, just say, take it. You. Yeah. yeah. Because, just because take it and be quiet. I don't know what a Broadway workshop is. I don't care about Shrek the musical or whatever the hell. <laughs> It was like, I don't know any of the songs from it. It doesn't make any difference. All I heard is you are good. You are now in my office. And that's how that, that's the end of the story. And I was like, okay, all right. Like I can tell. Got it. Yeah. Moving on. (laughs) Seriously. So it was, uh, it was an interesting lesson to learn that like, you know, what, what matters to you doesn't always matter to everybody else, of course. Um, But also like, you know, accomplishments are accomplishments. Like doing the job that I did out there was a, a big enough thing. It doesn't need to be more, more than what it was. Like it's, it was a, I like, you know, I, I don't have anything that I really regret or wish that I would have done differently in the, in the, right. you know, in doing it. Like I did the best I could possibly do. And I've stayed close in touch with everybody I worked with and I've seen. That's so cool. Yeah, like, and, and being able to, like, you know, have have any sort of connection, you know, like a like with, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg or David Geffen yeah. or Sam or any of these people. That's, I like, mean, those are those are huge people. Like, those names uh, are just massive to me. Like, yeah. I see those names. I'm like, oh, wow. Hi. <laughs> yeah, it was a really, it, it definitely made a big, uh, big impact on my life. So lucky. Wow. lucky that that what a story. I just... I can't get past the whole 32 auditions thing. Like that just is woof, duh. Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. That's, that's so much. It's just it, so was, much. it was literally how I was spending my days. And, and they were, they would, you know, the, the callbacks were not all like, okay, you come in and you go up against a bunch of other people. It, the callbacks were sometimes like, come in, spend some time with the musical director, work on a song you know, here, wow. you know, like, or like work on, work on something else, uh, work on the accent. Um, some of the callbacks were, were performing with other actors that they were considering mm-hmm. where they were just testing chemistry out between different yeah. people. But it was a lot. It was a lot. It's almost like they were like grooming you for the role. Yeah. I think they, they were trying to figure out if, you know, I, you know, if, if having a, an unknown person was was going to work for them or if they cause a lot of times with Broadway workshops, that's really how that works. Um, the, the woman who played Elphaba in wicked on Broadway, uh, uh, Stephanie block, she played Elphaba for years, years mm. in Broadway workshops and readings of Wicked until right before it opened and was replaced with Idina Menzel. And it's, that's the, the sad truth. I mean, Stephanie Block's voice, you ever get a chance to check out her performance as Elphaba on, on YouTube and you'll be like, oh my God, that's, that's who I'm it was gonna written. I'm going to do this. It was written I'm gonna do for this right after. Like, wow. she's, she's a, uh, uh, you know, uh, a coat of paint on that uh, on that sheet music, you know, for mm. it's pretty cool. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing both of your stories. I mean, what a what a crazy ride. I mean, oh, so cool. Yeah. Oh, it's it is a, 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 a such a crazy and fun business, and 
has, you know, uh, learning how to trust the people that are on your team mm-hmm. and, um, you know, making leaps and jumps with, with the people that you care about is like, oh my God, it can be so much fun. Yeah, it is fun. I love it. Well, thank you again. Um, how can people find you on social media? Of course, people can get me at Stephen Glickman, S-T-E-P-H-E-N Glickman on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Oh, TikTok. TikTok. Oh, God. No. And, uh, and you can listen to the Nighttime Show podcast, which airs every week, every uh, Friday. A new episode comes out. Um, and it's always, it's, it's, they're, they're always fun and weird, uh, chats with different, all sorts of different folks. We love it. Thanks so much, Stephen. You bet. Thanks again. Thanks for having me on. Thank you again to Stephen for coming on the show and, um, sharing that ogre of a story. I don't know. I was trying to be funny. It wasn't working. Um, Thank you so much for listening to the show. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to it right now. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog and connect with me on social media. All of the links to the show are in the show notes. Uh, I'd love to say hello to you and and talk to y'all and see who you are. Um, (laughs) So, you know, follow me. Um, Follow the show. And I'll say hello. Tune in next week to hear my conversation with Cynthia Carmona. You know her from Greenhouse Academy and East Los High. She has a new movie called The Tax Collector coming out soon, August 7th. And we have a great time. And until then, thanks for coming in. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H Y P E R T H E T I C A L.